All right, here we go in three, two, one. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. We're discussing leadership in athletic training and Hamilton again, but this time it's with Amy Hamilton. So Amy is taking over for uh, taking over the leadership of GLADA, which is an interesting transition as GLADA is about to split into two different districts. We're going to talk about the decisions there, what Amy is prepared to do, and just how she is creating leadership in athletic training. This is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Hamilton. I've got with me again, John Seco, Patrick O'Haver, and of course, Amy Hamilton, who is going to be leading GLADA. So again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Hamilton. If you want to catch any of the show notes or find ways to reach out to any of the guests here on the show. So Patrick. Okay. Uh, thanks a lot again for uh, sponsoring this uh, broadcast. And we have uh, Miss Amy Hamilton uh, from the great state of Minnesota uh, with us today. And GLADA, which is the Great Lakes Athletic Trainers Association and has been organized as District 4 in, NA in the NATA, uh, voted to split into two districts because uh, we GLADA District 4 achieved the uh, appropriate amount of membership uh, to be able to split under the Board of Directors and the NATA. So that process started approximately three years ago and has culminated into uh, what we have today. And in January 2022, the NATA will officially recognize District 11, which will be um, District 11 will be made up of Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Illinois states. And District 4 will, will now be Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio. So uh, this is not a new thing for the NATA as the Eastern Athletic Trainers Association has two districts. However, this is the first time uh, that Amy Hamilton, who is now the president-elect of GLADA, will be uh, presiding over two districts and the impetus behind splitting it splitting the district was to give more uh, representation to the athlete trainers in this area the great lakes area um, and she is the first president to hold such a role and is currently um, residing in, in minnesota like i said she takes office at our annual winter business meeting uh in march of 2022 in we have hoped to have an in-person meeting as we have in the past. Um, and it's been for the last approximately 10 years in Wheeling, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. So keeping with our Hamilton theme, uh, we'd like to welcome again, Amy Hamilton to the show. So Amy, what are your thoughts as you begin to dive into the presidential role leading the two districts in a few short months? I know you have been the president-elect, so you've been serving under uh, current president Michael Mole out of Wisconsin, uh, and he's kind of shown you the ropes, such such as, as we would say. But um, as we saw in our last episode, we talked about what comes next, and uh, this really is really what comes next and kind of unchattered territory. So, Amy, kind of give us your thoughts on what you think uh, – the presidential role leading the two districts uh, will be. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on this morning. I really appreciate it. 
And as far as what to expect, I guess expect anything. Um, it is uncharted territory like you talked about, but I'm really excited. The opportunity um, is unique. And so I'm excited to be able to be in the position, um, hopefully giving back to the profession and serving the members of both districts as GLADA. You know, with the district split, there's some, um, some different elements as far as the district business versus the GLADA business. And so certainly looking across both districts to serve all of GLADA as the incoming president. So I'm, I'm trying to be prepared for anything. I'm surrounded by a lot of really smart people. I've had some really wonderful mentors within GLADA. Michael has been an awesome mentor and role model um, coming into the role. His, his presidency certainly has not been um, normal, I guess you could say, as everything's been virtual. And so <clears throat> there's certainly been challenges that I've seen um, the current board work through and overcome. So I think we're, we're as prepared as we can be going into um, the next unknown step for the, for the districts. All right, so we recently talked with Dr. Matt Coots about um, curriculum, leadership curriculum and developing leadership and athletic training. Um, so where did you start in, on your leadership journey? Great question. I've got to think back. Um, I guess my my initial formal role, I was involved in some committees within the Minnesota Athletic Trainers Association early in my career. And my first um, office that I ran for was secretary. This was back in the early 2000s. I was secretary of the Minnesota Athletic Trainers Association. And then in 2012, I ran for president-elect of Minnesota Athletic Trainers Association. So I served as president-elect and then president for Minnesota. And since that transition or um, as I transitioned out of the president office, um, I became the co-chair of the Governmental Affairs Committee in Minnesota. And that's a role that I have remained in today. That's a There's a lot of work happening in Minnesota legislatively. And so I've been heavily involved in that work um, over the last several years. And so we're hoping to continue that. And then um, GLADA, and I started off from the presidency in Minnesota, um, getting involved in some committees at the GLADA level. So COPA and uh, the GAC um, representing Minnesota there. And then really got to know a lot of individuals within GLADA over the last you know eight, nine years. And one thing led to the next, and and here I am. I was um, uh, convinced I should run for president, and I, you know I'm really glad that I did. I was serving as Minnesota's rep to um, the GLADA board, and then decided to run for president, president-elect. And just tell me a little bit more about the you were convinced to, because I, <laughs> I feel like sometimes that's the situations like not like hey I want to. Or I feel like I would be a good fit here, but someone's like, yeah, I think you should. I think you should. I think you should. Uh, so tell me a little bit more about that convincing. Yeah, I, I probably should be careful the way I say that. But I I have two, I guess, frames of thought on this. I think that there's the people who have a very clear um, <clears throat> path that they set out. They maybe set a goal that, you know, in 10 years, this is what I want to do. In 15 years, this is where I see myself. And I think that that's wonderful. And certainly I think goal setting can be extremely valuable in your personal and professional growth. I have not 
necessarily in my professional service ever had those goals. There's not a next step for me that's laid out at this point. Um, <clears throat> every position that I have served to date, whether that's been on a committee, having run for office, has truly been um, a moment in time that someone had a conversation with me and felt like <clears throat> that I had come to mind for them based on other experiences they'd had working with me perhaps. And it's never been a not ever. So for instance, for the GLADA president role, <clears throat> I several years ago, I thought, oh, I can see myself doing that someday. But I didn't necessarily have a, a clear path to how I was going to get there or that I absolutely wanted to do that. Yeah. <clears throat> so to me, experiences have come because people have shown um, faith in me, asked me to help. I, I guess that's been a little bit of my leadership style is I am willing to help where there's a need and where I feel like my talents may fit at that moment. And so here I am. <laughs> so for a while, I do have a question that I want to come back to is we have Greater Houston Athletic Trainer Society. And I don't know if other parts of the country have that or if that's just a Texas thing because we have like Alamo Area Athletic Trainers, North Texas Athletic Trainers, and uh, Golden Triangle. So so that's the question I'm going to come back to is do y'all have those local like city-based athletic trainer organizations? But when I jumped in to help with Greater Houston Athletic Trainers, our obviously Houston um, Athletic Trainer Group, it was – they said, hey, we need somebody that can run the website. And I was like, I bet I could do that. And I said that to just the athletic trainers at my table. And so then sure enough, well, hey, Jeremy, you said you could do that. Go do it. I was like, all right, well. And it wasn't like, hey, I'm looking to help somewhere. I, I, I just need something else to do. I need something to help with. It's like, I think I could do that. And then sure enough, for the next six years or so, that's what I did. And then um, I think Josh oh, and uh, Woodall at SWAT, I was like, hey, you know, I know you've been helping with Jihad, so you think you could help with ours. And at that point, I wasn't at a place to where I could time-wise and all that other stuff. And so it's just it's one of those things, like you said, it's just meeting people. Hey, you know, you you did well at this. Could you help here? So that was my journey as well. I know John is super intentional with, as we talked about last week, he gets up at 4.30 every morning and has check boxes. So coming back to the question, do y'all have uh, city organizations for athletic trainers? We don't in Minnesota, or at least not that I'm aware of. You know, some states even have their region reps. Minnesota does not currently have that. You know, some of it might be just the population of our membership, but we have not gone there yet. So, you know, there are individual within the athletic training programs in the state. I know, you know, they have their student programs. I know the university has um, a group as far as a Facebook group, that type of thing, but nothing that's well organized that I'm aware of. John Patrick. Yeah, we have, we have regional reps as well in the state. Um, I know in my area, um, the, the athletic trainers, the secondary school athletic trainers typically meet, uh, on an, a, a very informal basis, but our regional rep is always at those meetings. Uh, and that's really only two counties within the state that, that do that actively. Uh, but other than that, we rely on our five regional reps within the state. Uh, in Northwest Indiana, we, we have a pretty solid uh, secondary school and college representation. Uh, at, at this high point, we had about 35 athletic trainers that we would meet three times a year. Um, 
and it's not a officially recognized by the Indiana IATA, but um, and we do have regional reps in IATA, um, but our, our regional rep is at our is is a good friend of mine. He's the athletic trainer at Hobart, and uh, uh, he we we it's nice. We have a usually have a uh, a February meeting. It coincides with uh, school, and uh, we meet uh, at Chesterton High School usually, and then in the, just before summer cracks up in May, we meet at Hobart High School. And then we usually have a informal social get together the first week of a football fall practice. It would, unfortunately, since, you know, the, the COVID and, and the program that I was involved in disbanded, we lost a good chunk of athletic trainers, but um, we, we still keep together. Um, Jessica at Griffith, she's kind of our, our quote unquote secretary of the, of the group and she sends out emails and it, it does give a great uh, collegial uh, aspect. We, you know who to contact at which school, what they provide for, for games. Um, if you have an issue, you can call them, they can email you. And it's, I would say we encompass about four counties in Northwest Indiana, five potentially. Um, so we, we, it, 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 it is heyday. It, it was nice and hope, Hopefully we can get back to that. We we've had some Zoom calls and such, but uh, it uh, it definitely does work out. So um, I do want to kind of piggyback on what what Amy was saying about you know how she got convinced to to be the president. Um, the GLADA president, there are some requirements that you have to kind of fulfill, and on the outside looking in, you're like, well, if I'm not an because to be glad a president, you have to serve on the executive board. So that's either a state rep from one of the five states or secretary, vice president, or treasurer. Well, vice president will be, again, um, there will no longer be a vice president of GLADA um, as of 2022. But uh, the state reps will still be around and, and of course, treasurer and secretary. So your, your pool of candidates is, is, is has shrunk. Um, so again, it goes back to our Hamilton quote about being in the room where it happens. You have to be kind of in that room to be considered to be uh, glad a president. And from the outside looking in, I was like, well, why is that? Well, it's out now I'm the Indiana state rep for Glada and being in the room where it happens. Yeah. You have to be in that room because you did. I don't feel you could step in without any prior knowledge of how that this organization works and the intricacies of all that. And now even with the, the district split, you we will have, you know, two district directors, we'll have two secretaries, two treasurers, two. I mean, it's, it has really opened up a lot of uh, opportunities for and representation for athletic trainers. So uh, that, that, you know, to be convinced or it, 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 it but you also have to, also have to know, you know, hey, I'm eligible to be glad a president, and and uh, it's it's a big there's a big learning curve, I would say, right, Amy? <laughs> Absolutely, there is. Um, sometimes you think, oh my goodness, what have I gotten myself into? But you know, you remind yourself that you're surrounded by a lot of really wonderful, smart, dedicated people who have some who have been serving on the GLADA board for much longer than you know I've been really involved in GLADA versus the state level. And so those 
um, those people are very important. You surround yourself with people that help you do a good job. And to me, it comes down to passion. Um, I, and I truly believe that everything that, you know, I've done professionally in my career sets you up for the next opportunity, you know, whatever that might be. Um, I think that you're put in the right place at the right time. And I just trust that in my life and you, you roll with it. You know, you learn through everything. You're not going to do anything perfectly. I don't think anybody can. Um, but if you go into it with an open mind, um, passion, and a willingness to learn, you know, so far it's worked out, it's been successful. And I've learned a lot along the way. I've made, you know, amazing connections and have wonderful colleagues that, you know, you count as friends and mentors. And so I'm really looking forward to this experience and what I might be able to bring to our membership and um, how we might just continue to see GLADA continue to be successful and grow. So in the past couple episodes, John, I'm going to ask you if you'll give us a definition of management and leadership, and then Amy, if you'll respond to those and, and kind of how you see that in your role as president, how you plan to lead and manage and, you know, m marry those two terms. So John, I know I put you on the spot. Can you give us a definition of management versus leadership? So management, I think, would be handling day-to-day -day operations. Uh, control would be a good control or handling, um, I think, would be a good portion of that definition for management. Um, but then when we look at leadership, it's the ability to inspire uh, change and inspire hope within your membership. Um, for me, management is more moving of pieces and leadership is more allowing people to move their own pieces. I would agree with that. Um, and I think this role in some ways has both. Um, certainly as president, you're the one that um, handles a lot of the questions, the emails, some of those logistics, certainly just the, the structure of meetings. And so there's a lot of work in that way that I would say is the management part of it. Um, but certainly the leadership is hopefully looking at the talent in the room and giving everybody the opportunity to, to be their best self in that group. And then hopefully inspiring the next generation of leaders, um, getting people, you know, excited about giving back to the profession, getting involved in whether that's from a committee level, running for office, whatever that might be, um, to me, that's what leadership um, really is about. I think it is, it's empowering people to be their best self and bring their best self to the table. I certainly have been a, I guess I would say I'm a lead by example type of person from the standpoint that I am extremely passionate about our profession. I think that that comes out in the people that know me well um, for instance, in my in my real job, in my day job, I'm a manager. I have a pretty large staff of athletic trainers, and I'm really proud of the fact that you know there's certainly no obligation that people have to be involved in the profession. But we now have a good portion, maybe a third of our staff that are involved, whether it's at the MATA or GLADA level now. And to me, that is just a culture that we've created um, a, around passion for our profession. And if you have opinions about what's happening in our profession, then get in the room, get yourself a seat at the table. Um, don't, you know, don't just sit on the sidelines with your opinions. 
um, share them, use them. I agree. I, when you said, you know, share your opinions rather than just sitting on the sideline, I think that's so important for us as athletic trainers to take that next step in the recognition as healthcare professionals is rather than complaining and, you know, putting ourselves in this massive echo chamber that we've been in, we need to, we need to take that message and go out and, and have that conversation with people that are not athletic trainers, number one, so we can educate what we do and who we are, but also to, to just advocate for our own selves. I, I think we've, we've done a really big disservice to our profession ourselves and just constantly complaining amongst ourselves. And that hasn't helped anything. I agree a hundred percent. I look at, I would say one of my biggest areas of passion, and maybe some of this comes from the work I've done in governmental affairs. Um, maybe some of it is now having moved from collegiate athletics into uh, now I work at an orthopedic group. Um, looking at athletic trainers place in healthcare. You know, I'll, I'll say a lot, you know, stop being trainers, be athletic trainers. We are healthcare providers, you know, even down to the, uh, you know, I get, <laughs> I get hung up on words sometimes, but, you know, I'll, I'll say things myself. I hate the word coverage, you know, so anytime I cannot use coverage and sometimes you just have to use that word, but anytime I cannot use the word coverage and instead use the word care, we are providing healthcare, not just coverage. And so it's little things like that to me that, you know, set us up um, as professionals, as healthcare professionals, as a, as a place, a piece, a, you know, a profession within the greater healthcare system. Um, you know, I think that's what we really need to look to as a profession. And I agree wholeheartedly that don't just sit and complain about something, um, have a solution. And if you don't have a solution, try something. You know, have an idea, try something. It might not work, but then try something else. Um, so that's how, I guess that's how I've approached it as I go. And that passion just, um, it grows. I think it's, hopefully it's something that people have seen. I think they have just with regard to um, why I've ended up in some of the positions I've ended up in. I think a lot of that is just people see sort of a genuine love for our profession and what we do and wanting to continue to see that to grow and succeed. All right. I would, as we have Kathy Derringer leading the NATA, I would like for you to just speak briefly about your experience as a woman stepping into leadership and have there been obstacles or things that you've had to, uh, barriers you had to break, things like that. Interesting question to, to ask me. I, I maybe am on the outside of this. I've shared this story a couple of times in, in some recent conversations that have come up. You know, I think certainly it is, I want to be sensitive to everybody has their own experiences and I don't want to minimize anybody's experience. My experience has been, that has not been a barrier for me simply because I didn't allow it to be a barrier. For instance, so the story I was referencing when I was, oh gosh, um, there was a women in athletic training committee. I was the Minnesota representative to that. So again, one of those early in my career, I was a young ATA 
And I was convinced to um, be in that role. So this was prior to running for secretary of MATA. And so I was Minnesota's rep. There was a breakfast at NATA that I attended as this women in athletic training rep. And this is not in any way to take away from that group and what they did and what they stood for. I think it was, it was a, great, uh, a great group. But as I sat in that room, for me personally and my experiences, um, there was a lot of talk about this group and having women involved in this particular group. And I just kept thinking, it's not that I didn't want to be in that room with those women. There were amazing leaders and great women in that room who were very inspirational. But I just kept thinking, I don't necessarily want a seat at this table. I just want a seat at the table. I don't want to have a separate table or my own table. Um, you know, based on my sex, I want a, I want a seat at that table. There's no reason that I can't. And so for me, my experience has simply been that has not been a barrier because I just didn't ever allow it to be. If I was interested in something, I got involved. If I was passionate about something, I got involved. And it, it just has not been a factor for me. And certainly, yes, do I, you know, at times there have been people that I've heard say, you know, look at the GLAD board and, you know, it's all men or there's only one woman up there. Well, of course you think, well, I'd like to have um, more representation from women up there. So if you think that, then get involved. Um, I think any group that maybe feels like they're not represented, you know, on that board or at that table, then, then run for an office, get involved. Um, I really don't believe that those barriers existed for me. And um, so I think there's a lot of opportunity. I think there's a lot of opportunity for anybody who's just simply willing and passionate. Like how you discussed about the not letting the barriers be barriers. How do you inspire somebody to feel that way? I think a lot of times people will feel that there, there's going to be barriers no matter what, but how do we change that mindset for people to, to not allow barriers to be barriers? Wow, that's a good question. I, I don't you. know if I have the magic answers for that. Um, I would say, or at least what goes through my head is simply asking people to get involved. Um, I look at back for me, you know, we go back to the word convinced to, to run. Um, it was because someone asked me, someone thought of me based on something I'd done previously and asked the question. And so I think that's another thing that we can do to try to get other people involved is simply encourage them to be involved, ask them to join a committee, run for an office, you know, whatever it might be, work on a, a special project, whatever that might be. I think it's those little steps sometimes for people who might perceive or feel that there are barriers, um, that maybe those barriers don't uh, don't really exist as much as they think they do. If they just simply were asked, uh, maybe they don't have as much fear to get involved. That uh, kind of goes back to our diversity inclusion committee that, and the NATA, the task force that they've utilized, uh, talking about uh, tapping those individuals on the shoulder, let's say, um, and you just have to, to quote unquote, convince them to run for an office, but you also have to, Hey, tap the, I think you'd be great at this yep. uh, committee or this position and, and get them, get 
all those all of those individuals involved. Um, I will I will say, uh, as a more seasoned athletic trainer, uh, I mean, I've never uh, the 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 women in athletic training group uh, probably forged the way for uh, individuals like yourself. Uh, you know, going forward, I mean, the NATA is is over fifty percent. Uh, female uh, oriented uh, membership. So, uh, the, you know, it, I, I've kind of seen that through my career for 23 years, 24 years, whatever it is. Uh, so I think, you know, your, the feeling from you is you've never really experienced that. Uh, but those, those women, those trailblazers for you, you know, going forward have paved that may smooth the road a little bit for you. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not lost on me that my experience has been such that I didn't feel there were barriers because of the women that came before and maybe fought through the barriers that existed, you know, as they were coming through their career. Um, certainly not lost on me. So talking about fighting through barriers today is the first day of the world series where the Houston Astros are playing the Atlanta Braves. And I'm not a fan of the Dodgers at all. Right. However, I highly respect what the Dodgers have done, where they hired, you know, they let Jackie Robinson play first black person, and then Sue Falcone, the first woman athletic trainer in the MLB. So breaking those barriers, just what you were talking about. Um, so I, I really appreciate what the Dodgers have done, I guess, socially or politically or whatever the term is there. But anyways, good luck to the Astros start today as we're recording this. All right, so talking a little bit more about Galata specifically, you said expect anything what are some of those things that as you've been meeting with your mentors um, and fellow leaders that you do expect to see to change uh, to help grow in GLADA? Well I think one of the biggest things some of the the impetus around you know having the district split to begin to begin with was better representation of the GLADA membership at the national level, and then certainly more opportunity for people to get involved. And there's a lot of positions to fill as Patrick, you know, emphasized, we've got, you know, now two district directors, two district treasurers, two district secretaries, and those are just the elected positions. We then have all of the reps to NATA committees from both districts. So there's a lot of opportunity now to try to get more people from the GLADA involved in service roles, um, you know, so I think that that's going to be both an, an amazing opportunity and I, you know, I'm really excited for who we will get into those roles, but I think it's also a challenge to, you know, really work with enough people to, to, to make them feel like, yeah, I really can do this. Um, I am prepared for this or really all I need to do is be willing to serve in this way and you're going to learn a lot. And so I think that that's going to be both an amazing opportunity as well as a challenge. When I say um, expect anything, I think it's really challenging to know what all the obstacles will be as we look now and we're looking at budget. And you know, we now need to look at not only GLADA, but each district and looking at the finances of that. And there's those little details when you start digging into something like the annual budget that you realize, wow, we didn't necessarily think through every single element of how this district split was going to impact. So there's a lot of just little decisions along the way that the board has to make um, as we 
you know, as we prepare for the next step. And I would imagine we're going to learn a lot in the next couple of years um, with regard to, you know, what works, what doesn't. I think the the goal of everybody from the beginning with regard to this was that GLADA remained, that everyone felt that, you know, GLADA is a really strong entity and they didn't want to lose what GLADA has um, as an association, the annual meeting and so forth. So I think that's a big goal is trying to maintain the integrity of GLADA while also adding this 11th district and having this district split within, uh, within the GLADA. And uh, you can't prepare for everything. And like I said, this was a three-year potentially ordeal and many, many meetings. And, you know, we just had a meeting in October 3rd up in Wheeling, and it was great to see everybody. And we hammered through a lot of things, bylaw changes, bylaw changes, bylaw changes, policies, procedures. Um, so it's, it's, and we're lucky to have individuals on that board that have kind of been there like amy said you know a long longer time to kind of have that continuity but uh, it this isn't this this thing was not developed in a year's time and kind of i don't believe haphazardly thought of we they those individuals tried to plan for everything however i don't think you can plan for everything and you have to kind of wait for it as uh aaron burr would say <laughs> and uh wait to, for to see what what will happen um when those things happen, such as the budget and, you know, three years ago, did we think COVID was going to hit and dramatically impact membership? No, you know, so, uh, you know, did we think we'd lose two annual meetings? No. Um, you know, talk about Michael Mole and the, I mean, that, you know, and it's when I came on the board too, is, is March of 2020 when we shut down the GLADA meeting because of, COVID on Friday, right? Yeah, on Friday. Um, and uh, that'll always be a, a memory I'll have for that. So I just, you know, you can't prepare for everything, but you can have guardrails in place that, hey, if this happens, we're going to do this. We're going to try to, you know, bounce around. So, and Glad is in a great financial position. You know, we have, that's why those four, those people way back when developed all these accounts and, you know, special projects. And we have all of these reserve things for the rainy days, which have obviously COVID was one of those big hurricane rainy days, like they get in Pasadena, Texas. Yeah, GLADA has such a history of strong leadership um, and just great leaders in our profession that have been within the GLADA. And I think there's been a lot of um, intention that's gone into um, what those guardrails that are in place now. And so I think from that, that rich history, it really sets you up for success. And it doesn't mean that things um, won't change, that we aren't going to have to adjust as, as things happen, much like um, all of the adjustments that have happened in the last two years. But I think we're well equipped to do that just based on that history, rich leadership, great guardrails, um, and really talented and well-intentioned, passionate people. All right, so in here, uh, John, is the incoming Matt's 
president. Um, John, what are your thoughts on the state leadership organization with GLADA, District 4? And then you, can, you guys can go back and forth for just a little bit. You know, Amy, I think you, you touched on it really well on, on how the, the split or the division is going to help us. Uh, I look at it at our regional rep um, perspective. Michigan is a large state. It has two parts. It has two peninsulas. And if you were to ask somebody in Detroit uh, their opinion on something and you ask somebody up in the UP what their opinion is on something, they may differ. And then allowing those regional reps to bring those differences or those ideas, those, those problems per district or region to the table helps the overall profession. So, you know, when I look at it as a state leader and from the state perspective, having GLADA in two different districts uh, is going to help the overall um, national association. Because, uh, you know, if, if everything was just coming straight from Illinois, it's going to be incredibly different from Illinois to Texas. So that's why we have things split up. And I think the split is long overdue. I, I, I even remember thinking back to being a student and uh, going to GLADA meetings and, and meeting somebody from Minnesota or somebody from Wisconsin and thinking, how is this district so massive? And how is everybody's needs being met? And and I really do see this helping all of those needs being met, which is going to just make our our national association more robust. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, I think that representation of a very large district, better representation of that, more opportunity for people to be involved and serve, more perspective that you're bringing to the table from different Absolutely. parts. Um, from different parts of the country, different states, you know, people with different experiences and at different stages of their, you know, of their careers, all of those things to me are so valuable. Um, that was one of the things as um, Minnesota's president that we really brought back at that point, we didn't have a young professionals committee. Mm -hmm. And it was something that intentionally I was really passionate about starting and not only having this committee, but also getting those individuals involved in our other committees, looking at not only future leadership, I mean, we want to develop our future leaders, that's critical, um, but also wanting to have that perspective. I think it's really important that within any group, I mean, I look at this within you know, my real job, my day job, um, having a staff that is diverse in many ways, one of those being diverse in experience. And some of that is, you know, settings that people have worked in or locations people have worked in, but also where people are within the experience in their careers. You know, if they're just starting out in their career, so they're coming in with several years under their belt and, you know, different settings, that experience and the diversity of experience is really critical as well. You know, we touched on the history and the, the individuals who bring such strong leadership to our GLADA board because they've served in multiple capacities for many years within GLADA and that historical perspective and that, you know, intricacy, the knowledge that they have from their experience is absolutely critical, but you also want the new people. You also want the people that haven't been there before that maybe are bringing different ideas from from where they've been before. I think that mix is really critical in any group. The different perspectives is incredibly important. 
and I'm glad you touched on that. I'm glad you talked about that because the more perspectives we have as as leadership, the more understanding we have the uh, the the needs of our membership. So it's it's incredibly important that we do allow that perspective to be heard, and that we act on it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Plus, we've got to we've got to gear up. Who's going to replace us, right? You know, what? How are we building leaders for the future? How are we inspiring other people to uh, to be in our place? And I, you know, I look at for GLADA specifically. I attended um, I attended GLADA as a student, and then I had a I guess fourteen year hiatus from GLADA. Um, I was out of the state for grad school, and then when I came back to Minnesota and back into the district, I was a member, of course, but I worked in college hockey. And I happened to work for a team that tended to be pretty successful. And so we were, you know, in the playoffs or at the Frozen Four every year, um, right at GLADA time. And so I had not been back to GLADA until I left that job and came into the, the position that I'm currently in, which then freed me up. And, um, you know, so it's an interesting perspective to have this big gap within the district meeting and what I had remembered as a student to then coming back. And I'll tell you, I mean, my, my memories of GLAD as a student were very strong, very favorable. Um, and then coming back, seeing that this, you know, this rich tradition had really continued, that GLAD was stronger than ever. You looked at the leaders that we had. I mean, there are individuals that I remembered meeting as a student who really inspired me and were mentors to me as a student. And then you come back and they're still serving in different ways um, in the association. And that's inspiring um, to look at, you know, people that are that passionate about our profession, what they do, that they are still involved. Um, they're still in the room. They're still sitting at that table, um, sharing their wisdom, sharing their experience that's inspiring. And I hope that we have an, a whole new generation of young athletic trainers that come out and see that in all of us. And then they're inspired to do the same thing. The, the levity of um, what, what you said earlier, and you I think falsely called Jeremy and I celebrities. <laughs> and it now, as you say that, and, and you hear you know, you explain a little bit more. I, I remember too, being at those GLADA meetings as a student. Uh, I remember being at the state meetings as a student and seeing those quote unquote celebrities and, and within our district, within our state. And now, um, you know, to have them at the table for, for their experience, their wealth of knowledge, uh, and to allow me to be a, a leader, but also that they're, that they're our friends as well. Uh, you know, I remember, <laughs> If, if Kevin's listening to this, but I remember standing in an elevator with Kevin Parker and almost feeling nervous to talk to him. And I remember him and I both looking each other in the eye, not saying anything, getting off on different floors. And I'm thinking that was Kevin Parker. I should have talked to Kevin Parker. And, and now here we are like really good friends, you know, text here and there. And, um, you know, he was a person who inspired me to become president and president-elect of, of Matt's. And uh, it is funny. And now that you say that, it's who am I inspiring going forward? Now, I, I don't want that to, you know, be a, a driving force of what I do, but it does put some weight on the decisions and the actions that we make as as leaders of, of our states and leaders of our district. 
Absolutely. There, sometimes there can be some pressure that comes with that, but, you know, I think people see, I think they see passion. I think they see sincerity. Um, and I think it, it just comes through and maybe who you are. And I look at, you know, all of the leaders across our states and our district and I think there's a genuineness to many of these leaders. I think people are put in this position because they genuinely care. They're genuinely passionate. And I think that that just comes through. And I just hope that I'm being an inspiration to people in the same way they were to me or the, you know, the mentors and the people that I looked up to. I mean, my person that I recall, you know, when I first went back to Glada and remembered seeing was Gretchen Schleva. And, you know, she, I sat at a table with her when I was a student and she was the mentor. It was kind of this round table thing. And she just inspired me so much. So maybe that's that thing, right? There, there's a woman that paved the way. And I didn't necessarily even realize that there was any sort of a barrier for me because people like her came before. Um, but anyway, she, it really inspired me as a student. And so it was really fun to go back when I was able to get back to Glada and attend and I remember walking up to her and just sharing that story with her, um, just felt, you know, sort of drawn to let her know that and that, you know, you made an impact on me, you made a difference in, in my life and in my career path and in my, my service and leadership. And so um, I just really appreciated that. That's so interesting you say that, Amy, because Dr. G, Dr. Schlabach was my program director in Northern Illinois, you know, so we, it's interesting how we all have these you know, five, you know, uh, what do you call it? People that are spheres of influence, you know, Kevin Parker. I mean, <laughs> it's funny you share that story, John. I mean, Kevin's the most approachable guy that you could probably, in my opinion, ever see, you know, uh, you know, seeing Jeremy Jackson in the uh, NATA exhibit hall, you know, with his big podcast studio, it's kind of intimidating. I, I had, I had to say, you know, but I listened to it and I, I wanted to meet the man, you know, and, I think everybody says he looks different in person than he does on the on the uh, little podcast here. So uh, he's, he's much taller. Yes, <laughs> he's way taller than you'd expect. That's what everybody says. Yeah. So, um, but it's interesting, you know, that you know Amy and Dr. Schlabach have that uh, connection. You know, and I have that connection with her because she was my I knew her for four years at Northern Illinois. So, and again, she is one of the pioneers of, of women in athletic training. I, I guess. When I was an undergrad, did I really realize that? No. Uh, but then coming, but I knew that she was, she ha had done a lot. And I, myself, just like Amy, I took a hiatus from Glada. Uh, I went to Louisiana for about 10 years. So I was at CETA, which again, is a very large district. Um, and when I was in Louisiana, you know, all the district means were all the way over in Atlanta, Georgia. That's, you know, I agree, you know, how, how does somebody from Louisiana kind of think that, you know, something's really going, you know, I can affect change at the, the district level. Um, so, but it's, you know, that um, they just didn't have, they don't have as, enough, as much representation as Glada did to, to be able to make a different split. But I mean, I, I also echo what John was saying, you know, it was um, when I was at uh, grad school in Louisiana, it was just like, wow, how do I, in Louisiana, way over in in North in uh, Georgia, or even North Carolina, because North Carolina is part of CETA as well. I mean, that's it's a pretty and unfortunately, I I 
traveled that route in a bus quite a bit for two years with baseball. So that was just a lot of, it's a lot of space, you know, even when I was undergrad at GLADA, I was lucky enough to go as a student. Um, and back then it was, it moved around. So I was, went to Detroit a few times, uh, Dayton, Ohio. Um, so only made it to Minneapolis one time though. But so I've, I've mentioned several times, you know, I've got five kids at home, three biological, two foster daughters and the, fo- the, one of the foster daughters we've only had for a couple of weeks. And, you know, I'm, I'm tired. Like this morning I, I was almost napping while I was waiting for you guys to log in the zoom. And just thinking about that, you know, it's the end of football season. We got two games left and I'm, I'm just tired. And so Amy, you were talking about just speak up, just say, Hey, I can help. But what about your regular job? You're taking over as president. You said you're also on the political, um, activity committee, something like that. Um, so how are you managing all of that? Like managing a home life, a professional life, and then these other committees, how are you managing that? <laughs> some days I'm not sure that I am, <laughs> but I hear you. Some day, it's hard. I mean, it, you, it's challenging to figure out, you know, where the priority takes place. And, you know, certainly within our professional service, these are volunteer positions. And so there are times that some of this work has to, um, out of necessity, take a back seat to the paying job or family demands. I mean, the, the, this is real life. And so there's fluctuations. I certainly get energy from even things like this, just having this conversation, you know, it gets you kind of fired up and you realize um, again, or you're reminded why you love so many things about the profession and the people that you get to serve alongside and, and work with and the people that you meet, other people who share that passion. You know, Patrick mentioned we had our first um, in-person board meeting in October. And I mean, it was just, it was great to be back in the room with that board. And we've had great meetings virtually throughout this whole, you know, time of the pandemic so far, but there's nothing like being able to interact and sort of the meeting outside of the meeting, the conversations in the hallway, the conversations over lunch, there's just an energy that comes from it. So, you know, every time I think, oh man, I'm tired. I don't know how I can do all this. I I need to prioritize this and I don't have time. There's always something that comes along that re-energizes you or gets you kind of fired back up for why, why I do this. Why do I spend, you know, my free time or my extra time um, in service versus uh, maybe doing some other things, Um, you know, and it's those moments that sort of make it worth it. And you just prioritize when you can. And I certainly am not an expert at it. Um, It really just comes down to, I'm a little bit of a fly by the seat of your pants person, meaning I do the thing that is needing to be done like most critically first, and then you just go from there. So there are things that you, you know, end up doing kind of in the 11th hour and that's what it has to be. Um, But it always gets done and, um, you learn from the experiences and do the best you can. I don't have a magic, I don't have a magic formula. That's for sure. If anyone has one, I am all ears. Please share. You could look at, look at John's schedule, wake up before 30 every morning, 
schedule out every 30 minutes of your day for, for the whole week. That's impressive. Do you stick to it, John? It is actually, it was a, so I'm doing my MBA currently. And um, my first assignment, I had to basically state how I was going to go about my studies. And uh, it, it's a fully self-driven degree program. So I had to actually put together a calendar Sunday through Saturday um, and, and 24 hours. So it's funny because it was really easy for me to do because, yeah, that's for me, that's how life um, works a little bit is I just kind of schedule out every every hour almost. Uh, and, and in that that calendar, you know, it's my priority. I, I prioritize free time. So you'd see between two and five free. And, and that means that if I get my studies done, if I do the things I need to do for my family, then I've got three hours of, you know, free time which then I can do more family stuff, things I, I could do more study, whatever. Um, but that's how, that's how it works for me. That's, that's been a helpful tool. I'll agree with that. that uh, even though I don't schedule it every 30 minutes, um, but I've listened to several podcasts about time management and uh, you have to schedule that free time, like that free time when, you know, you are going to not do work and not, you know, answer email or whatever scheduling in free time is is important and actually some people actually schedule in sleep you know which be a good idea uh, you know i'm going to go to bed around this time and wake up i'm not waking up at 4 30 sorry but uh wake up at you know at, at a decent time so um you know uh time management coaches that i listen to uh they, they really really hammer that so and it's good because it keeps you on task and it keeps you you know you got to set boundaries as we've talked about many times in athlete training you know uh, i try not to send email or look at my work email after six o'clock and um, i really really try not to you know contact my supervisor unless it's a super emergency after you know six o'clock seven o'clock around the weekends so and those are things i instituted when i was a supervisor um, or my athletic director you know, he, he's even, and he's been really great about setting boundaries too, with even the coaching staff and myself. So, um, but, and if it's something I think I just want to talk to him about, I'll send him an email. He can open it when he decides to, if he wants to open it at nine o'clock at night, great. If he wants to open it at seven o'clock in the morning, great. But it's just something that, Hey, I want to talk to you about this, but if I send a text to him, yeah, he's probably going to see it and it's going to ding and it's, you're going to have to react to it. So, so I try to keep, he and I both have that great understanding. So. Yep, schedule your day. All right, let's get one final question for Amy as we kind of round it out. So, Patrick, if you have one, John, if you have one, get that ready. So, I know on the, the sheet here, Patrick wanted me to mention just being from a large state. I talked about how here in Houston we have the Greater Houston Athletic Training Society, which is really a so social organization. So, it's not like a, a representation thing so much in that – like these are the voting members or whatever, anything like that. But it's a social organization. However, it allows us to meet together to um, create those positions of leadership where I like there's a president and a president elect and secretary treasurer and all that other stuff. So you're getting that experience. And like I said, for me, Josh would all had asked, hey, I know you're doing this at this level. Would you be willing to step up? And so it is the same thing. It's like, hey, I'm doing it. Somebody's asking me to continue doing it, continue doing it, and that type of thing. 
So it's really good for us here. And Texas is huge. So like I said, I know of there's the Houston one, there's a Rio Grande Valley, there's Alamo, there's um, East Texas and North Texas. And there's all sorts of different social organizations, which we focus, usually have a student athletic trainer aid workshop event. And then the event to, or the opportunity to, to lead and encourage that growth in that voice. And then usually at our meetings, we'll have the SWATA president or, you know, I know Kathy has been there before, but I think that was when she was uh, SWATA president. So those type of things, just the, the opportunity to interact with those people that are uh, the leaders, the people who, quote unquote, celebrities in, in athletic training. All right. Um, Patrick. <laughs> so John just dropped a message in the chat, which yep. is live streaming. Yes. Um, so there we go. Super so, duper. So that pops up right there. So John will be right back. All right, Patrick, okay. Why don't you, you last? You sure. uh, ask your question of Amy before we head out. Sure. Um, well, as we always close uh, with, with the podcast for leadership, you know, John, I talk about gratitude. And I want to say again, gratitude for this um, podcast and the opportunity to be, you know, involved with you guys again. It's, you know, three years ago, we you guys started it and I was fortunate enough to meet you in New Orleans and continue on. So I Appreciate the work that you guys are doing, Jeremy, on the podcast, and John, of course. And I, I definitely uh, am grateful for Amy's leadership uh, in in the boardroom that already, and look forward to uh, you know coming on in twenty twenty two to to see where uh, Glada goes with the district split. So, Amy, um, try to think of a good question. I think this question is interesting. What would you like to be acknowledged for? Wow. Okay. Good question. Put me on the spot. You know, I would say hopefully that my passion is, has, has inspired someone else. You know, maybe it's to be that Gretchen for somebody else. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. I'm not sure. So John had to go change a poopy diaper. So he commented there. If you were watching the live stream, you saw the little chat pop up. Um, but he said you got to prioritize and execute, which is from our leaderships way back in the day with the Jocko book, uh, Extreme Ownership. So he had, you got to take care of what you got to take care of. So uh, Amy, what is your gratitude? That would be my final question. Somebody you would like to thank. I know you just said you would like to be uh, recognized as uh, Gretchen and she's been on here before a uh, very intelligent lady so who are some people or something that you'd like to say thank you to oh wow um there's th that that list is very long I can think of so many people professionally just through different you know stages of uh, my career from a student to now um, maybe first and foremost or the person that I'll mention right now is more immediate and that would be Michael Mole. You know, his leadership over the last two years, um, you know, as he's trying to help prepare me for this next step. And certainly he's had a, um, a challenging or unique, if you will, presidency where it's been sort of a virtual um, piece. And so 
um, you know, he's been a strong mentor, a strong leader for GLADA and has really been um, a help to me. And uh, so I'll thank Michael Mole for his leadership and his mentorship. All right. I know on social media, if you type in G-L-A-T-A on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you can find GLADA, GLADA students, GLADA updates, that type of thing. Uh, Amy, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what is the very best way? Um, well, I'll, I'll probably email. So amyhamiltonatc at gmail. So John usually has Twitter, which is John Seco on Twitter. So you can come up. He said that that's always the best way. Patrick has mentioned Twitter, Instagram uh, as well. And I can never get the numbers right. P-A-T-C-1960, 1996? Yes, 1996. Yep. At msn.com. Email, probably the best way to communicate with me. John's made it back. John's made it back. All right. Uh, this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Hamilton for Amy Hamilton and following along with our theme. John Seago, do you have any parting questions or statements for Amy? No, I think we covered a lot. I think it's it's incredibly helpful for all of our membership, or not our membership, our listeners to hear the importance of our district membership and district leadership. I think a lot of times we either get sucked into the national, the NATA board, or we get sucked into just our, uh, our local uh, leadership. So understanding at a district level too, uh, and, and knowing who your district level leader is, is incredibly important too, because if there's something that can affect the nation or affect your state, then it's going to happen at the district level. So Amy, thank you for being here and, and uh, joining in on that conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been, this has been fun, really great to meet all of you. Um, John, looking forward to working with you more as you um, are in your role in Michigan. Thank you. Yeah, me too. All right, some of our partners, Frio Hydration, I Love our products from Free Hydration. And then physicaltherapy.com slash one free course. Get you at least one CEU credit for a reporting period coming up. And then it's only 99 bucks a year to get unlimited CEUs after that. So if you want to do the online version, it's a great way. There's also tons of other ways to do it. I know our my podcast has it, the AT Corner podcast, the AT Vintage podcast has free CEUs. So there's lots of opportunities for you out there. But if you need more than what they're offering, or if you've already done those in the past, physicaltherapy.com slash one free course. It's a great way to check that out. Sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Hamilton. So for Jeremy, Amy Hamilton, Patrick O'Haver, John Seco, CC, who joined us there at the last minute in the Sports Medicine Broadcast, that is a wrap.